Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I mean, how many times are we going to let Draymond Green grab, pinch, hold, hit in the package? I don't know. He did it again last night coming off of November 4th suspension. We're going to get into that. Armando is going to join us. Hey, listen, man. Matt Ariza, the punter god, exonerated even in civil court. Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports had the article about it. He had the breaking story. He's going to join us coming up at 10 o'clock. I'll give you my top five MVPs. Keep it right here. Don't at me starts right now. You know, it's going to be loud. Hey, good morning and welcome this morning. Look, I've had enough of Draymond Green. I like Draymond Green. When Draymond Green was at Michigan State, I liked him. Um, ESPN used to send me to do their Midnight Madness. Izzo would come in in a car, and Draymond Green was always my go-to guy. I'm like, I'll get Draymond. He'll fill the time. It'll be a 10-minute talk. I love the kid. Nobody spoke higher of Draymond Green than me. I literally lost my mind on draft night when the the Pacers drafted, wait for it, not Mason Plumley, who's had a nice NBA career, but Miles Plumley, who? Ahead of Draymond Green. I was screaming for Draymond Green like I'm screaming right now. I was begging for Draymond Green. I was. I've been a Draymond Green fan. I've been a Draymond Green backer. I love whenever Izzo has a problem. Draymond Green's the first guy to step up for Izzo and Michigan State, but it's enough. Hey, it's enough. Between punching your own teammate, Jordan Poole, last year, which ruined their season, to now... You go, you take a swing at Yusef Nariev, and you're like, what are you doing? And we can't show the swing because of all these rules, but it was what I'm fighting in the post, I'm swinging, and next thing you know, I just, boom. Now, here's the deal. I just said this on Charlie's show. I could play right now at 61 years old in the post and know how far a guy is behind me. I could know exactly where he is. I touch him backhand. I mean, if you see this hand here, Wait, this hand here, I go backwards. I'm tired. I know, and I know that I'm trying to hit him in the face. And it was one of the cheap, most cheap shots that you can possibly do. And this is what drives me nuts because in basketball, you can do this. I'm in a defensive stance and a guy's got a ball. He can hit me right in the face. And we've seen that. Manny Harris of Michigan did it to Chris Kramer of Purdue. I'm in the post. I can hit you in the balls. I can do whatever. You're naked. You're sitting there playing a sport in your underwear. Football, you got a bucket on your head. You got pads. Basketball, you got nothing. You're in your underwear. And I am exposed because, hey, get your hands out. Get white, blah, 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 blah. And Green, he's run up on guys from behind. He's hit him from the side. He's hit him in the package. Now he takes a wild swing. And he's full of crap, and I'll tell you exactly why he's doing it, and you see the end result. Draymond Green is following in the footsteps. Barkley used to do this stuff early in his career. He did. He would do this stuff early. And then he just became a great basketball player. And we've seen what Barkley's become, the best 
rate or TV analyst in NBA history. Dennis Rodman somehow, some way is messing around with the head of, I don't know, North Korea. He's been popular his whole life. He's been relevant his whole life. That's all this guy's trying to do. That's all this idiot's trying to do. And the biggest thing about Draymond Green is he's a stone coward. He's just a coward. There are ways to fight in basketball. We can square off. We can do what he is a coward, period. And the NBA has to suspend him for the rest of the year. Enough is enough. He's dangerous to other players. In fact, the NBA, NBA Players Association should come out and say, you got to get this guy help. But the truth of the matter is nobody's got to get this guy help. This guy got to do it himself. I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I just know that Draymond Green is a menace to other players on the basketball court, and he is a stone-cold coward that must be suspended. There is nothing, zero, that Steve Kerr is going to do. Steve Kerr, if you watched the video of the punch last night, was looking like this way and didn't hardly react. There is nothing this organization is going to do. Zero zip. They have enabled. They're tired of him. I have a very good friend that's involved, and he's like, yeah, we're so tired of Draymond Green. We've had enough of Draymond Green. Draymond Green has wore out his welcome, but we're stuck with him. And now the other side of it, of course, is his teammates. His teammates are got to be pissed. See, think about it this way. Steph Curry is trying to play for legacy. Steph Curry getting to five, six championships becomes on the level where you could say top 10 players of all time, Steph Curry. And Green's killing that. Green's a perfect player, perfect player for the Golden State Warriors, perfect player. Make no mistake. He passes it unselfishly and well. He screens enthusiastically. He defends five positions with heart. He runs the floor, but he's a distraction. He's a distraction on the court with this kind of stuff that you're seeing right here relative to the officials. He's a distraction, and we've got to cover for him constantly when he lets it become emotional. And he's a coward. And everybody on his team knows he's a coward because everybody on the team knows how you go about the business of altercations in basketball, and you do not do it the way Green does. So they're stuck with him. There's a big contract. They're not going to win a championship this year. I wish they would because I like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. I like Jordan Poole. I like everything about him. But this guy has become insane on the basketball court, certifiably insane, worse than Rodman, worse than anybody we can remember, and he's a danger to other players because he doesn't have the stones, and other players don't have the stones to confront him physically. Maybe they saw the punch of Jordan Poole, and they said, yeah, I ain't doing that. Maybe. You know, it's like they say, all you got to do is knock out one guy, and everybody else has a little bit of this. A little bit of that in their action. Yeah, but he's such a coward. He's, he got ejected last night. He said he apologized, didn't mean to do it, and he's full of crap. And look at, look at, look at Curry. He's holding him back. It's like, again with this. Look at him. All right, again, and I got to listen to this idiot, and we got to listen to the stupid, because when you're really stupid, which Draymond Green is, you talk loud, and that's it. Just incredibly stupid. Just a dumbass, a menace, and should be suspended immediately by the league, but he won't. 
He should be suspended by Kerr, but Kerr has no balls. He should be suspended by the Warriors, but they've got no balls either. None. Zero. Don't at me about it. Don't, you know what? Don't even try it. The dude needs to be suspended the rest of the year. Let him go away. Let him go in the media. Let him talk, whatever, and figure it out. Period. All right, we talked and touched on this yesterday, and Dan Wetzel wrote the article about it from Yahoo Sports is going to join us. Matariza. Matariza, punter God. Matariza came into the league and took it by storm, punting and punting and punting, and now because Pat McAfee has made punters cool, he became the punter God. Oh, oh next thing you know, a woman claims that at 17 years old, she was gang raped by Ariza and some of his teammates. Turns out, Ariza did have sex with her, consensual, proven. Turns out, Ariza wasn't even at the party, whatever you want to call it, where the woman alleged that she was raped. All char- no charges were filed. Yesterday, the woman dropped her civil lawsuit under a couple of things. One, that Ariza dropped his defamation suit, fine. But Ariza, smart, good attorney, he got, well, he kept the opportunity to sue the woman. Smart. I'd sue her ass into next week. Unfortunate story for all. I don't know that a woman really wants to do this. Sometimes they get drawn into things. But Ariza should be signed immediately. Ariza should be signed like it's somebody's job. I wish the Colts would get a rise, even though I have a pretty good punter. And it's the same thing with Trevor Bauer. I mean, Trevor Bauer's accuser turned out to be a complete fraud, a complete clout chaser. In bed with him the night, you know, in bed with him the morning, the morning after she allegedly was assaulted, sitting there taking videos of herself, acting all happy and proud that she betted a $90 million baseball player. It's disgusting, and it's, well, it's sickening. I go back to what my sister said as a 25-year prosecutor. I don't believe anybody. And I've told you this story before. My sister, big-time football player at Indiana, accused of rape. Not assault, rape. He was going to jail for a long time. Little girl comes in, little white girl, Southern Indiana style. Little white girl and her daddy came in crying. African-American football player. He raped me. Okay. My sister's listening. Asked the father to leave. Shows the shows the girl a video. The video it was taken by the football player. Obviously, it was consensual. Not the greatest thing for the football player to do, but it saved his life. My sister looks at the girl and says, you want to continue this? You want me to bring your father in here, show you this? Or you want to get the hell out of my office, and I will not press charges against you. My sister, a 25-year prosecutor, is who I listen to. I don't listen to anybody in the media. I don't listen to nobody nowhere. I listen to prosecutors. My brother was a prosecutor. That's who I listen to. We are so quick, aren't we? We're so quick to condemn before we investigate. We're so quick to say, this guy has to be cut. His life has to be ruined. Could you imagine waking up every morning, every morning, with a rape charge hanging over your head? Can you imagine the conversation where you get brought in And you've got to not only answer to the Buffalo Bills, but to the authorities about something you weren't even at. At least it was proven he wasn't even at. Can you imagine that? And here's the other issue. We've got three idiots in the media. We've got Sarah Spain. We've got Julie DiCarlo. We've got Molly Knight that persecuted this kid. 
absolutely persecuted. He's guilty. Believe all women. Really? Here's my problem with female uh, sports media. They're never accountable. They know what they got. They know they don't have to be accountable. You think Sarah Spain, Molly Knight, or Julie DiCarlo are ever going to come out and say, you know what? We got this wrong. And we apologize. Hell no. They're so insecure. They'll talk about feelings. And they don't know jack shit about sports. But they know how to attack. They know how to attack whether it's race or whether it's something like this. But they certainly don't know how to be accountable. And it's disgusting. That's why I love Charlie. Charlie in the morning is awesome. I just did Charlie's show. She's awesome. Because she's like my wife. She's like a dude girl. Like just common sense. Not worrying about her place. Julie DiCarlo and, and Sarah Spain worry about their place. Sarah Spain got a job because she showed off her rack and made a song and tried to sell it on the internet to go to the Colts game or go to the world uh, Colts against the Bears and made a song that says, I want to F Steve Bartman. Next thing you know, she gets popular doing what? Nothing at WMVP. And she gets a show on ESPN. And she, in a back and forth with me, I admired her for this doesn't understand that she was a complete diversity hire. Julie DiCarlo has nothing. I mean, she got nothing. Other than she's with Deadspin, which tells you where that is. And, of course, Molly Knight with USA Today crucified this kid. And now that it's come out, this kid did nothing wrong. Molly Knight has hidden behind protected tweets. They're cowards as well. They're the worst of the worst. Awful. But they'll be the first. They'll be the loudest when it comes to an allegation. Not an investigation, not the result of an investigation, an allegation. You don't hear them when the investigation proves that they are full of shit, they're liars, and they're dirtbags. That's just who they are. And if you don't like it, tough. And I'm sure there's some guys out there too, but I know the three most prevalent were those three women. I don't respect them. It's like when Chip Kelly came to the Philadelphia Eagles and every little woman journalist on Twitter, yes, please, more of this. Yeah, shut up. It's a half of a football game. Or you watch a, you watch, <laughs> you watch, watch college softball. That one analyst on college softball talks about the actual game. They talk about the feelings and the emotion. Get out of here with that. But here, here is what the lawyer for Ariza had to say. While we're here celebrating this victory of Matt and his family. This win is bittersweet. Matt has been forced to defend himself for the last 16 months against false accusations and a campaign to ruin his career in the NFL. He'll never get this time back in his life back. And he'll never get an apology ever from people that immediately went and crushed him. Just imagine. Just imagine. You're a young guy. And allegations of a gang rape picture that you weren't even there. You weren't even there. And you go, what? No, you're cut. Then you're reading USA Today or you're reading ESPN. You've got all these women groups calling you a rapist, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what? Takes a strong person to handle it. You know, a lot of guys would jump in the bottle. A lot of guys would jump in the pills. A lot of guys might jump into whatever. I hope he's back. I'll tell you what. As a Colts fan, I'd take him right now. I'd take Trevor Bauer, too. I'd take Trevor Bauer today, tomorrow, the next day on, on the Cubs in a second. Now, if he's no good, don't take him. But if he's good enough, shoot. And that's why, again, I love Charlie. 
I asked Charlie about both. She's like, of course. Just because somebody alleges something doesn't mean it's true. Haven't we seen this? Duke lacrosse. Duke, BYU. What's going on at Illinois State with Norfolk State? Just because somebody says something about rape or, or, uh, or uh, race, it ain't. I've dealt with it for two days from some idiot named Drew Shafito who I kicked out of West Virginia, beeline kicked out. Oh, Dockich is a bigot. I've met him one time in my life. He's a racist. Good. Keep calling me that. Dumbasses. Speaking of dumbasses, John Morant. All right, John Morant. You go. All right. John Morant in a civil lawsuit. Well, John Morant said that he had to punch a 17-year-old in self-protection. He said, we were playing pickup basketball game, and I I just had to punch him. Well, John Morant is explaining in a courtroom what happened. Isn't that funny? Isn't that unbelievable? Here he is, an NBA superstar. His mom is such a pos that she causes, she causes um, a footlocker, an employee, to get beat up or allegedly beat up or intimidated. His dad is all around it. So this is the deal. After watching this clip, I feel like they're going to try and say the young dude was just checking the ball and not trying to hit John Morant in the face. Well, I don't know. You know, you check the ball. Sometimes guys act like idiots. And don't tell me a 17-year-old shouldn't get hit sometimes. He should. Now, I don't give a damn. If we're playing basketball and you act like a complete jackass, you're taking it, you know, you're taking a chance. But when you're an NBA superstar i guess he's a superstar when you're an nba guy you know what you probably shouldn't go around punching 17 year olds truth of the matter is you probably you probably shouldn't go around punching anybody you, unless you're draymond green and then you're going to make a career at it uh john Morant is serving a long uh, suspension he's about ready to come back and here's the deal with john Morant. john Morant will be seen as a conquering hero because isn't that what we do? We celebrate. We celebrate the guys, the fellas. John Morant is anything but one of the fellas. John Morant was raised by parents who, before fame hit him, were unbelievably great parents. Everybody that covered John Morant when he was in college, Seth Greenberg mostly, will tell you what a great kid, what a great family. Guess what? Fame got him. Then the dad thinks he's Usher standing courtside getting in hassles with people. The kids go and his little thug buddies are flashing guns at Pacer personnel underneath stadiums. His brother's been banned from the NBA. I mean, I've always said this, and I'll continue to say this, and I won't ever stop saying it. Fame is hard to handle. Fame is as hard to handle as anything that there is. Now, you say to me, well, I would love to have to handle that. I would love to have $100 million. Yeah, sure, we all would. But is anybody talking about the $100 million right now? Is anybody talking about averaging 30 in playoff share? No, they're not. They're talking about what a jackass the guy is. Now, does that affect him? No, because he's got guys around him, his boys, his fellas, his crew, his posse, whatever you want to call it, his friends, that are protecting him, that are telling him how great he is. And unfortunately for John Moran, his parents bought into it. I mean, the stories all in and around Memphis are legendary about the jackassery that mommy and daddy Morant, and it's not them. It's not who they are, but I got to tell you, it's who they've become. And that ain't a good thing. That ain't a good thing at all. See, here's what I hope for John Morant. 
and I really hope this for everybody. I hope he becomes who he is. Like, I hope he becomes who he is and not who he thinks he's supposed to be. You know, I think the world of African-Americans is really difficult. I, I've talked to a number over the years. You got to act a certain way or else you're, quote, too white. You got to act like you're from the hood. Now, how's acting like she's from the hood helped uh, Angel Reese? Has that helped her? No, she's a mess because that's not who she really is. But she felt like she had to act that way. And it's sad, really. White dudes have to, don't have to act like anything. Of course we do. Absolutely we do. But we don't have to. I think it's a damn shame. And African-Americans of sense will tell you it's a damn shame that they have to act a certain way or else they'll be seen as too white. Now, nah, it's ridiculous. John Morant deep down is a good dude. John Morant deep down is the kind of dude that you would want to hang out with. At least he was when he was in college. I hope he gets back to that. You know, we always say, and we talk about forgiveness. I say it all the time. I go to church, Traders Point, and, and uh, Ryan gets up there, and he's the preacher, and he tries to put himself in our, well, I've done this. You don't even under, oh, okay, great. And everybody in the audience talks about forgiveness. How many of you have sinned? Oh, how many of you want to be forgiven? Oh, but forgiveness doesn't happen when it's your turn to forgive. It doesn't. It doesn't. Rarely ever. John Morant may have gotten really, really lucky. He's really lucky he's not in jail. Your idiot friends point a gun at the Pacers underneath the stadium. Somebody should be going to jail. Your idiot friends post a video of you with a gun in a car after you've been uh, suspended for a gun, then guess what? You're lucky you're not in jail. That's Morant's dad. Now, Morant's dad's got a big picture of whatever. Look at him. That's not who he is. That's who he thought he had to become. Sitting with the white dudes. Trying to be down. Just can't be who you are. It's not that hard. It makes you feel good. It's got to be exhausting to be somebody that you're not. It's got to be exhausting to worry about living up to expectations. That's why I like my life. I don't have any expectations. That's eh, just dackish. Eh, no biggie. Eh, something to do. Hope he gets back to that. Hey, you're going to love this. You ready for this? A Dallas Cowboy employee, a contracted employee, decided that he was going to run a scam on people coming into the Dallas Cowboys game. Instead of getting his tickets, a Dallas Cowboy employee was charging people to come in cash and then pocketing the cash. It's brilliant. You want in? I don't need your ticket. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I need your cash. And then he was going to take it and he was going, he, he took it. He actually took it and he made some money. Now people aren't happy with him. Of course they're not happy with him. He let ticketless fans pay a few bucks and get in. On one hand, I think it's very philanthropic. Listen to this. Cowboys getting ready to play the Eagles. Attendance going to be 93,574. But apparently, attendance a little bit higher. A detective working in the stadium, listen to this, became aware of a contracted employee at one of the entry gates had let people in 
who didn't have tickets. The employee's job was to scan fans' tickets after they passed through security. So you go through security, and then you got the ticket, all right? He admitted, this 19-year-old did, to pocketing cash. He was arrested and charged with commercial bribery. They didn't say how many people he let in, but it's a pretty good scam. Until what? Until guys try to get seats, they don't have seats, and it happens enough, and people are like, wait a second. See, how you really wouldn't get caught doing this unless somebody ratted you out, but why would they rat you out? Ten bucks got you in, got you a seat. Well, it didn't get you a seat, but it got you in. You know, at Jerry World, there's enough places to just hang out. You can hang out in a bar. You can hang out wherever. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of clever, actually. I don't think I'm supposed to say that. I'm supposed to say, well, bad, bad employee, bad guy, bad teenager, smack him on the head. Nah, kind of ingenious. I got to tell you, I really believe back in my day, I think I would have done this. I think I would have said, hey, look, 20 bucks get you in. Go ahead. I used to sneak people in all the time at Indiana basketball games. I'd be like, I don't know where you're going to sit, but you're in the game. Do whatever you want to do. I don't care. I used to sneak little kids when I was a high school player. I'd bring little kids in our locker room before the game. My coach would go, what the hell? i go, yeah, he's sitting outside. He didn't have a ticket. I brought him and his brother in. It's all good. They can sit on the end of the bench or they can sit in the front row. It's all good. I'm a big fan of letting people that don't have tickets into games. I am. I always have been. I always will be. When I was broadcasting at ESPN, my son at the Big Ten tournament brought a friend of his. Now, my son, his mother and I were going through a divorce. He wasn't very happy. Another one of his friends' mother had cancer. It was terminal. Another one of his friends had lost his dad, and another guy's family had lost their job. So these four kids are with me. I sneak and get them passes to go anywhere they want at the Big Ten tournament. Now, you got to understand a Big Ten tournament isn't always packed. It was in Indy, not always packed. Next thing you know, about, I don't know, an hour later, I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, someone took our passes. I go, okay. Didn't think anything of it. About three days later, I'm at ESPN, finishing up some work, getting ready to fly home. I get a call. Hey, damn, we got a problem. Yeah, what's the problem? Big 10 office is pissed. What's the problem? You gave passes to kids. I did. Why'd you do it? I said, because I felt like it. Four kids going through a struggle. No one was using the passes. I literally, literally had to call Jim Delaney, the freaking commissioner of the Big 10, and listen to him lecture me. We couldn't even get the president of Guam. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. And finally, it got to the point where Mark Rudner, who was the PR guy for the Big Ten. I remember telling him, hey, man, let me explain something to you. I don't ever want to be like you. I don't ever want to be someone that has to worry about getting little kids passes to a game, one that lost his father, one that was going to lose his mother, another whose family lost their job. I tried to bring him a little bit of happiness. You do whatever the hell you want to me. I could give a rat's ass, but I never want to be like you, and I'll never be like you. Well, I go, no, 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 there's no well. Do whatever you want. I don't care. But I had to call the lady at home, and I remember laughing my ass off. I got to call the commissioner of the Big Ten at his house because I gave little kids passes to a game. Freaking idiots. Just stone idiots. Anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right, word on the street, ladies and gentlemen. 
is that there has been a decision about Bill Belichick, and apparently Bob Kraft, the owner, is not happy, was not happy, because Belichick got his brains beat out like 10 to 7 in London or Germany or wherever the hell it was against the Colts. I think it was Germany. So they're not happy. Here's the quote. When they came out of Germany, this from Patriots insider, insider, Tom Curran. He's an insider. When they came out of Germany, conversations I had that week made it very clear a decision was made. They're going to play out the string. At the end of the year, there would be a parting of the ways for a variety of reasons. Curran went on to say, you don't fire Bill Belichick during the season. Sure you do if you want. Just not going to happen. Additionally, though, he's an asset. He's under contract for another year. It's only through next year, so they would it would not be an impediment to them changing courses. Yeah, you're right. And it had gone too far. The German, the Germany game, Commanders game, Saints game, all huge marquee games. And then there was the Chargers game after that. Just because they won last week in Pittsburgh in prime time, I don't think that quells anything. Here's what I've always told you. And here's what I always told Bob Knight. Your boss has an ego too. I remember telling Bob Knight when he used to think he got over on Clarence Doniger, the athletic director at Indiana or the president at Indiana or the board of trustees or whoever. And he would sit in our little locker room and he'd be all proud of himself, what he did. And he would look at me and always say the same thing. Hey, Danny or Dakich, what do you think? And I say, coach, that's pretty funny, but they got egos too. I shut up. I knew you would say, okay, I'll shut up. But they got egos. Bob Kraft got an ego. And I've told listeners to my show this for a long, long time. That owner, that athletic director, that university president is a human being. He don't run in the same circles as a coach. The circles of a coach is tight-knit. The circles of a coach is his assistant coaches, trainers, players, administration. Uh-uh. They're isolated, particularly during the season. They don't hear the noise outside from individuals. Kraft does. Kraft goes out and he gives 100000 or or $100 million to an anti-Semitic group. Not only does Robert Kraft do that, which is one of the great things ever, but he also is involved in hearing what people have to say. What the hell is going on with your team? hell is going to happen with Belichick? How could you guys not score against the Chargers? What happened in Germany? That's what happens in sports. Coaches think that they're these power structure guys, and their power structure certainly is there, particularly in college. They're on the mount. But never, ever, ever, ever forget that people have an ego. And usually a guy like Kraft, his ego's big, but he's sensitive. Every single guy that I have met in media, in a position of leadership, except for Gary and Aaron here at Emma's, or Emma's, Emma's is my old radio station. Gary, Aaron here at Outkick, and Jeff Smolian at Emma's. Every other guy, whether it's the guy running Sirius XM, all the little guys at ESPN, they're all so sensitive. A Howie Durnoff running, uh, what's it called, Westwood One Radio. They're so sensitive. Even the guys at Fox that run Fox, they're so sensitive. Sp- coaches aren't. But when these guys that I just mentioned, 
when they have to go and answer for you losing, for you having bad players, they get pissed. They don't like it. This is what an owner wants to do. The owner wants to stand on stage with Brady, with Belichick, with Nance, and look what I created. And then the owner goes to his owner friends, or then the owner goes to all his buddies, and guess what? Pat's on the back, man. You've created a great organization, but that's not what's been happening. And one thing I try to do on this show is always give you a perspective you can't get anywhere else. And the perspective I'm giving you is so freaking true. It's like a thousand percent true. They got ego. I remember telling Bob Knight when I left in 97, we actually had a serious conversation over dinner. I go, coach, you better find somebody. You better find somebody quick. That's going to tell you what's right and what's not right, or else they're going to get you. Now, an offensive lineman, a legendary offensive lineman, big old Trent Brown. Go flourish where your talent is respected, Trent Brown said about Malik Cunningham. Well, guess what? Malik Cunningham left who? Trent Brown's team, the New England Patriots, to go to the Ravens. Guess what? This is a shot. This is a shot from Trent Brown at Bill Belichick, the offensive coaches, and the organization. Now, let me ask you this question. When's the last time you ever saw that? When's the last time you saw a player, a current player of Bill Belichick on the Patriots criticize Bill Belichick, the coach, Bill Belichick, the GM? You don't. You do after they're done playing. I mean, you got Rodney Harrison, you got Brewski, you got guys in the media. But when's the last time you heard anybody in that organization that is on the field criticize Belichick? The answer, never. Never. <clears throat> now you're seeing it. It's no longer you put your finger in the dam. Uh-uh. No. The dam is broke. Momentum is lost. And it's over for bouncing Bill Belichick, and I hate to see it. I do. I hate to see it. I don't want it to be over for Bill Belichick. I want Bill Belichick to continue going in New England because I think those things are cool. I want him to break Shula's record because I think those things are cool. I do. I do. All right, betting. Listen to this. College football betting, over 20% of Heisman boats were on Colorado, Shador, Sanders, and Travis Hunter. Betters absolutely loved, loved Shadur Sanders. They should have, too. I'll tell you right now. Early in the season, Shadur Sanders was the guy. He was. He was the guy. He was the guy until he got the hell beat out of him. But you got to give Deion Sanders great credit, don't you? I think you do. You got to give Deion Sanders credit because what's he done? He's done what he said he was going to do. And what is that? He went out and got an offensive line. He did. He went out and got himself an offensive line. He went out and said, all right, this is what I need to protect my son, who, by the way, Shadur Sanders will win the Heisman next year. You can make book on it right now. I bet you Cashman's already on it. Over 20% of the tickets placed on the Heisman Trophy were on Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. Sanders got the most tickets of any player. Nearly 12%, while over 9% were on Hunter to win the award. 
course, neither player came close, but their shares are a great example of just how popular Colorado was through the first month of the season. That's right. Hey, I said at one point Shadur Sanders was the the favorite for the Heisman Trophy because he was. I mean, look, he didn't have to go 10-0 and 0 or 9-3. and 3. When they won four games, in fact, the fact that they won four games this year has everybody still saying what a great season it was, not that they lost seven of the last eight. I got to tell you, you can be critical of a lot of things of Deion Sanders if you want. But Deion Sanders delivered thus far in the offseason. Got linemen. This kid's a good quarterback. I don't know what's going to happen with Travis Hunter. Who knows? Seems like a great kid as well. Long story short, though, you can bet your bottom dollar that Shador Sanders is going to be the favorite. Speaking of favorites, let's talk about the latest odds to win MVP. Our friend Cashy talked about it yesterday on an email. Dak Prescott has gone from plus 4,000 to plus 150. What that means is if you bet 100, you get back 250. Your 100 plus 150. Purdy next. Lamar Jackson next. Hurts next. Tyreek Hill fifth. I'll tell you this. I'll give you my top five. And they're, they're all the same five, except I'm moving Hill third. I think if you're going to vote for a quarterback at this point, now it could all change. But I think if you're going to vote for a quarterback at this point, it's either going to be Prescott or Purdy. So I'm not going to I'm if I'm going to be a contrarian and he's got to get healthy, he's got to get back. But if I'm going to be a contrarian, I'm not going with Jalen Hurts. That's not being a contrarian. I'm not going with Lamar Jackson. I think you either vote for Purdy, you vote for uh, uh, Prescott, or you vote for Tyreek Hill. I'm putting Tyreek Hill third. So my fifth is Lamar Jackson. You know about my love of Lamar Jackson. Love Tyreek Hill too. But my fifth is Lamar Jackson, my opinion. Lamar Jackson is the most dangerous guy in football at the quarterback position, running, throwing. Second, I got Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, to me, has come out of nowhere. Now, I look, David Carr said they should play Mariota. And then after the game the other night, I think it was Sunday night football, David Carr said, now what are you thinking, Eagles fans? Yeah, okay. Number three is Tyreek Hill, guy right there. If I'm a voter and I'm not voting for a quarterback, well, if I am voting for a quarterback, the only two that I'm going to vote for right now are Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. Third would be this guy. My second is Brock Purdy which is amazing. Mystery irrelevant. Look at this. Of all the big guys, big, strong guys, guys with this, guys with that, guys with 4-2 speed, guys with, you know, here's the guy. This is Tom Brady part two. Now, not fair. I mean, maybe I'm saying he's Tom Brady part two because, well, what does he do? See, I think Tom Brady was the best thrower of the football, not named Dan Marino that I've seen. This guy's pretty damn good. Look at him. Looks like he could be playing in high school physically. And the number one is Dak Prescott. You get mad at Dak Prescott all you'd like. You can say whatever you'd like about Dak Prescott, but Dak Prescott has turned it on, and the Cowboys are legitimately good. Now, I understand, just like Purdue basketball, it don't matter to fans what the Cowboys do during the season. I get it. I swear to you, I do. But the fact of the matter is it matters to voters, and it should matter to voters. And that dude is in fuego. That dude is rocking and rolling that dude is balling period and if you don't think he is that just means you ain't paying attention and start paying attention will you please 
because I'm going to win you some money here. All right, Armando's going to join us. Dan Wetzel's going to join us. Dan put out the uh, put out the story on Matt Ariza. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what teams get blowback for signing Ariza. And I got to know what's going on in Miami. I got to know. Is Tua a game manager? I don't know. Tua's just good. Armando next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. He's the man. He is Armando. He is our friend. He is resplendent in Bowling Green Orange in his Outkick hat. A lot of people don't know Bowling Green Orange, but... I certainly do. I'm going to get right into this. Uh, Matt Ariza, is he going to be on an NFL team? Not this year, probably. I mean, unless uh, someone, you know, the, the path for him, if it were to happen this year, would be practice squad. He's got to get a workout first. And the last time he had a workout was with the New York Jets in May. And they decided mm, not going there. So, you know. More likely, I would say, Dan, next year, um, there's no reason why he wouldn't be on a team for training camp. But again, because of the fact that purely from an, uh, uh, a football perspective, he is uh, inexperienced. Um, you know, I, I understand that he was the punt god at San Diego State. The NFL is not San Diego State. We've seen a lot of players that were great in college didn't translate to the NFL, including kickers. Roberto Aguayo was awesome at FSU, and then he was picked in the second round, I think, by Tampa, and he was terrible. So uh, I think teams are going to play it safe this time of year and more likely uh, wait until the offseason. Let me ask you this. Yesterday, uh, Cam Newton came out and said, Tua, Dak, Purdy are nothing more than game managers. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, yeah, maybe if you were a better game manager, Cam Newton, you might be in the league. I don't get the game manager thing. The game manager thing can kiss my backside. These guys are damn good NFL quarterbacks, at least the way I look at the world. How do you look at that? Well, you know, for years we've talked about game managers as as you're like um, kind of looking down on people. Game managers win Super Bowls, right? Uh, right. Uh, so uh, it, it's not everyone that can put a Patrick Mahomes on the field uh, for them year after year. There are teams that that only need and and in fact, want guys that don't make mistakes, guys that make use of the talent that is around them, guys that 
understand their role, and that is to distribute to the playmakers. Um, and there are playmakers, by the way, and elite quarterbacks who have never gone to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen has never been to the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson has never been to the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, this whole thing, Cam Newton went to the Super Bowl and, and soiled himself. So the, the point is, and he only did it once, by the way. Uh, the, only, the, the point is, this game manager is a terrible thing, uh, you know, narrative. That, that's, that, that's 20 years ago. That's right. I agree with that. That's 20 years ago. Give me a guy that throws the ball to his team. Give me a guy that makes the right reads at the line of scrimmage. I don't look. I, give me a guy in Tua's case, and I want to ask you this: that gets the ball to Tyreek freaking Hill. I've said this. Love your opinion. I went through three of my uh, MVP guys. Right? Okay, Dak and Purdy. If you're going to vote for anybody other than, and those would be the two quarterbacks that I would vote for today. It may change next week, but the third guy. If you're going to be a contrarian, it's got to be Tyreek Hill, doesn't it? I mean, he's got to be healthy. I get it. But, damn, what this guy is doing is insane, Armando. It is insane. Uh, he could be the first NFL wide receiver ever to hit the 2,000-yard receiving mark. Um, and that absolutely puts him in the MVP conversation. Yesterday, or the day before, excuse me, he goes out of the game. And it wasn't just that the offense bogged down. It was as if the, the team lost right. its, its, its hype, its urgency for a while. And then he came back, obviously, and, and things changed. But I would say to you that that helped his cause as much as, you know, being in the game. Having said that, um, right now, you know, I, I – as an AP voter, I do get an MVP vote. Um, and I think right now I'm leaning towards, in fact, I know right now I'm leaning towards informed sources close to me. Tell me that I'm leaning towards Purdy. Unlike Charles Barkley, who claims to be misquoted in his own book, you are not being misquoted on this show by yourself. So, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I really do. But, no, to your point, like, I, I, I think that a guy like Hill, and I don't know that there's a lot of them. Like, I, I don't. I, I don't know that there's a bunch of guys that affect the entire vibe, if you will, of a team at, at a position other than a quarterback. I always said this about Peyton Manning. It didn't matter who the backup was. If Peyton Manning went down, the Colts weren't winning the Super Bowl, right? It, 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 you know what I mean? So he controlled the vibe. But I don't think many other non-position players do, like Hill. Correct. Um, and, and, and by the way, that is true of the idea that if your starting quarterback goes down, you're not winning the Super Bowl. That has probably been true of every team in the history of, of the NFL, except for yes. the New England Patriots. And in hold on. The New York Giants won with Jeff Hostetler as a backup. Right. Yeah. I, that's true. Except that yeah. I think he got he came in during the playoffs, no? Or I think maybe? and then uh Earl Morrill. I'm going back. I'm going back before you were born. No, Earl I'm Morrill aware. led him in the in the 
72 Dolphins, you know, whatever. But the, the point still remains. All right, let me go this route with you. In college basketball, it does not matter what Purdue does this year during the regular season. Nobody cares. They're going to be very good. It's what they're going to do in the NCAA tournament. I feel like I might as well be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. I might as well be saying it does not matter. We've seen the Cowboys be good, but is this a different, does this Cowboys team have a different vibe to it? I don't know. Yeah. You know, you know why I don't know? Because I've seen Cowboy teams be very good in the regular season for years and years. And then they go to the, you know, the tournament. If you want to use, start using college basketball terms, they get to the tournament and they look different and the collar tightens up a little bit. And suddenly the gambling that is done during the regular season on play calls diminishes. And suddenly the urgency of the moment uh, overcomes them and they, they, they look terrible. And the only way we're going to judge the Dallas Cowboys this year is not what they're doing now. It's what happens when the playoffs come. And it's not me that's judging them. It's not their fans that's judging them. It's the owner of the team. Right. He has stated, Jerry Jones has stated, we are a good team. We have put together a great roster. The measure of our team will be in the playoffs. And that's how he's going to decide on the future of his coach. And that's how he's going to decide on the success of his team. Hey, I got to tell you something. I've always said this. You you don't need, you don't think about a kicker until you need a kicker, but that guy kicking for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, holy crap. Kicker talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kicker talk. Yeah. Cause they're going to win games for you. That yeah. No, I mean, look up and down that roster, you know, Jerry Jones is the general manager. Um, and there's a narrative that, you don't want owners being football people, right? You don't want owners being the guys making football decisions. Jerry Jones makes football decisions for the Dallas Cowboys. He has put together a great, not good, great personnel department. And up and down that roster, they have found guys that, dude, I mean, for a while there, we were talking. You're talking about MVP and all those awards earlier. For a while there, Deron Bland, who is a backup cornerback, uh, to a guy that got a 98 million dollar contract. When the 98 million dollar man went down, the backup cornerback comes in and he breaks an NFL record, returning five uh, interceptions for touchdowns in a season when he starts his first game in game four or five. So, I mean, that is some great personnel department work. Answer me this question. Stefan Gilmore comes to the Colts a year ago and the entire Colt media and team and everybody, we got a leader, blah, 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 blah. He didn't have a very good year. I mean, he had fun. He was fine. How do you get rid of a guy for a fifth round pick? How does, like, take me inside this. 
Yeah, I get the feeling that the Colts are almost surprised that they're doing as well as they are, okay? Uh, Let's be honest. This year is a rebuilding year in Indianapolis, and that's what it was supposed to be from the jump. And then all of a sudden, uh, Gardner Minshew, you know, good, good Gardner Minshew shows up. Wait till you see bad Gardner Minshew, and you will see him. Oh, we have. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. he shows up, and the defense, you know, steps up in, t- in, in moments. And all of a sudden, you know, they kind of, I wouldn't say they catch fire, but they catch a wave. And it looks good. They're never going to say it, Dan. They're not, they weren't expecting to vie for a playoff, no. uh, you know, any sort of playoff positioning. And yet here they are, and it's a great story, and it's fun, but the Indianapolis Colts were the entire time pointed towards, you know, the next few years. And by the way, the success this year may have set them back because Anthony Richardson now needs experience all over again, and the picks that they're going to get in the draft will be lower And the slotting will be lower because their success is greater this year. You know, the funniest thing was coming out of this uh, Sunday about people that I I apparently hang with. They're pissed that their team won. Jets fans that I know are pissed that their team won. Titans fans are pissed that their team won. New England fans are pissed that their team won. I get it, right? It's what you just said. You you lose a better pick and picks make a big deal. And, but damn. Dudes are pissed when their team wins in the NFL. Yeah, uh, and that's I, – I blame the Miami Dolphins. Blame, credit, whichever one you want to pick. Uh, in 20 – what was it? In 2019, basically, they dismantled the veterans from their roster. They put together a triple-A team, basically, and it was all meant – they were paying teams – to take their players. They traded Ryan Tannehill to the Tennessee Titans, paid Ryan Tannehill his salary so the Titans would take him and give them a little bit better draft pick, and they did it multiple times, that move. So they basically, not basically, they tanked. And the entire idea was we're going to do this so that in the coming years, We've set ourselves up for great salary cap space and higher picks and more of them. And right now they would turn to you and say it worked because look at us. We're nine and three or whatever they are, uh, nine and four. And we're going to, we're a playoff team and a contender. Uh, Other teams are looking at that and have looked at that and decided not to as actively do that, but fan bases, they realize, look, the New England Patriots hope is not to rally this season. The New England Patriots hope is to get a great quarterback in the next draft and rally the next 15 seasons. No, I get it. I, I look, I, I completely, I totally get it. Um, Speaking of New England, before I let you go, you buying that report that says the decision's already been made on Belichick? No. Um, so, 
What happens if Bill Belichick wins out? Right. He's already, look, he's already on his way. He, uh, he won last week. And they don't have enough talent probably to do it. Let's, let's just establish that, okay? Um, but they still have good coaching. Bill Belichick, the coach, did not betray Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, the personnel man, the GM betrayed Bill Belichick. That's the guy that has ruined that franchise and hasn't seen his, his way to finding good playmakers and hasn't really hit a lot of home runs in the draft. That's the guy. But as far as you've got them on the ground, you've got them in your building, he develops players for the most part. He, he develops a lot of players. And they often go elsewhere and stink but when after playing well in new england so um i don't i don't put it past the patriots to win and do some winning at the end of this year in which point then a decision will be made um all these decisions that are i don't know what they accomplish anymore these in-season um firings because Look at the Carolina Panthers. What did they get out of doing that? What What is the – basically, they turned their special teams coach into the head coach. I think he's 0-2. And, oh, by the way, last week their special teams was terrible. So <laughs> – what? and it's not like you can go out and, and interview guys early anymore. Right. The NFL has passed a, a rule whereby you can't interview guys early. So what's the point? We saw it here last year. What was the point of bringing Jeff Saturday in? Like, what was the point? You know, like I, I said that at the time, like what? Okay. You think this is going to, you know, George Gippum, like win one for the old Saturday kind of thing. You know, I mean, I, I'm with you on it. I don't understand the point because Carolina's gotten worse. And look, if, if, if you, I guess it makes you feel good. I guess maybe it makes you tell your fan base we care. I don't know, but I'm with you. Hey, Armando. The Raiders lost the three to nothing game. The, the Raiders lost three to nothing last week under right. their under Antonio Pierce, who who had them all fired up and feeling super urgent the first two games, and all of a sudden uh, that change has gone in the opposite direction. There there is no magic pill where a guy magically comes in and turns a bad roster into a good team. That's exactly right. No, you're right about it. And Pierce did exactly what Saturday did. Saturday won his first game. And everybody's like, look, see? And then uh, Pierce did the same. Hey, Armando, thank you, my friend. If I don't talk to you, have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Dan. Freaking awesome. He's the best in the business. You can see the five spot. It's Armando and Donovan McNabb Tuesdays and Fridays right here on the Outkick Network. Matt Ariza, Ariza exonerated completely. Dan Wetzel broke the story. I've always said this. If Dan Wetzel, Charles Cunningham, Pat Forty come after you, they already know and they already got you. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie. 
your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hey, welcome back. We always like some emails from our listeners. Danny Wetzel coming up. At 1030. But let me recap the top stories of the day. First, I've had enough of Draymond Green, and I think you have too. Anybody with any common sense has got to say enough's enough. The latest incident, Yersev Nurich, he takes a swing at him and connects as they were fighting for post position. We can't show it because it's NBA TV or whatever it was. But long story short, when you play in the post and you're Draymond Green and you do it every day, let me tell you something. You know exactly where your defender is. You know exactly how close or how far. And you also know that you can hit him or you can't. And Draymond Green hit this guy, knocked him down. And it's the latest in chicken blank shots, cheap shots by Draymond Green. Draymond Green should be suspended from the NBA for the remainder of the year. Enough is enough. He just got suspended on November 4th for choking Rudy Gobert. He's been suspended numerous times. The technicals are boring. He's hurting his team. He's hurting the league. He's hurting the product. And now, once again, he's hurting other players. Now, he's a menace. And he's a coward. And maybe he's always been a coward. I never felt Draymond Green to be a coward until really the last few years. I always thought he was a guy that was about winning. But in the last few years, he has become a coward. He is trying to make himself a media star. Look, in his world, he's down, baby. Draymond, you're the man. Draymond, you're so cool. Draymond, Draymond, Draymond. Where Draymond goes somewhere, it's a big event. He's like a Kardashian or like Barkley or whatever. But he's really just a coward. He's just an insecure little coward. And apparently his smiles company just went under. He always did commercials for this smile. He and his mother, and it went under. So maybe he... As Charlie alluded to this morning, maybe he is having a little bit of financial trouble that is making him sad. But no, he is acting out like a child, and he needs to be suspended. Somebody needs to be the adult in the room. I don't care if Draymond Green is 40, 30, 20, or 80. He's acting like a petulant child, acting out, and he's hurting others. He's like the little kid in kindergarten who keeps shoving people down. At some point, you got to say, look, little Johnny, you're a pain in the backside. Go sit your ass in the corner. And if you don't want to sit your ass in the corner, then I'm going to sit on you. That's what I used to do with my kids. Nose in the corner, I would tell my kid. Nose in the corner. And if they reacted, then I would give them the size. What's the size? I would throw them 
sit on them. Just lay there on them like this, like a big lump of crap that I was. I'm going to give you the size of Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone, I would roll over on. But Draymond Green needs the size. Draymond Green needs a Rolling Stone. Draymond Green needs a timeout. Draymond Green needs nose in the corner. Steve Kerr, the gutless wonder that leads the team, he ain't going to do it because he's afraid. He's afraid that his wokeness, the black man being disciplined by the white man is bad. Uh uh And apparently the organization feels that Draymond Green's contributions on the court uh, override anything that he is doing to embarrass not only himself, not only Kerr, but the organization as well. Wokeness sucks, and you're seeing it, and they're afraid of Draymond Green. The other story today is Matt Ariza. Matt Ariza, the punter god who was falsely accused and convicted in the media of being involved in a gang gang rape, had everything dropped. First, going back a few months, he had the charge. There were no charges. It was proven that he was not even at the horrific event. Now, the woman who had a civil suit against him agreed to drop the civil suit. Now, Areza, he retained the right to sue. He admitted no guilt and made no payments. The woman asked Ariza to drop his defamation suit. Good for Ariza. He did. However, he still retains the right to sue this woman, and he should sue her ass off. Don't even take the money. Can you imagine a 16-month ordeal where you go from being a NFL player to a freaking human being that is scorned at every turn and has to worry every day about a trial, about going to jail, and you knew, you knew, and it's turned out to be proven that you weren't even there? That's horrible. I don't care if you're an NFL player. I don't care if you're Joey Bag of Donuts. I don't care if you're Slim Pickens. I don't care who you are. I don't care what walk of life you are, whether you're homeless or you live in one of the big old houses here in Naples, Florida. That is awful, horrible, horrendous, horrific. Garbage. Nobody should have to live that way. Here's some emails. Andy Trubay wants to know, hey, Dan, why does Woody, Mike Woodson, allow his stud freshman, Mabako, I think is his name, not to guard? Looks lost on defense. God forbid IU is in his zone. I realize he's the only shooter they have, but mercy he gets killed on defense. No accountability. I think if you don't guard, you don't play. Well, that's pretty good. Last game, every tip dunk they gave up was because Mbako did not put his ass on anybody. See, Indiana fans know. You don't mess around with Indiana fans. You know, Bruce Pearl said it on the show the other day. Indiana fans, not only do they know, Shoot, they know when to cheer. They know when not to cheer. They know who missed the block out. They know who didn't throw the ball to the right side. They didn't throw it away from the defense. And it's fun. And Kansas is going to run into this. Kansas is going to run into a juggernaut coming up on Saturday. I don't think this is a very good Kansas team. I don't think they can shoot. And I think you got to be able to make shots to beat Indiana this year in Assembly Hall. That's what I think. What do I know? Hey, Dan, this is from Eric W. I always wondered why a five-star recruit like Arch Manning would say stay someplace where they won't let him play. I was surprised to begin with when Arch chose Texas. Uh, too many to begins with. But anyway, Eric, I'm with you. When he chose Texas, I thought to myself, well, they must know something. They must know that Quinn Ewers is, number one, not very good, or number two, leaving. Arch Manning is not that great. Now, I'm just telling you. I watched about six throws of him, and I said, all right, yeah, he's good. But he ain't the number one quarterback in the country, and he ain't the number one quarterback at the University of Texas. In fact, if all things were going to be equal, Malik Murphy 
would be the number two quarterback. In fact, Malik Murphy started a game or two when Ewers went down. There are a lot of places he could play, UCLA, Ohio State, Penn State, Mississippi State, Georgia, Washington, Michigan would be perfect. Michigan, he's not playing. He's not playing over J.J. McCarthy. There's no way. All those choices would be better options than where he's at. No way he plays over J.J. McCarthy. Like, he could play at Ohio State, but word on the street is Ryan Day wants to get back to the J.T. Barrett-type quarterback where you're a dual threat. That's what Urban Meyer's offense thrived under. When you had a dual threat, I go back to Omar Jacobs and Josh Harris at Bowling Green. J.T. Barrett started over a lot of professional quarterbacks, including Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow, because Dwayne has, or excuse me, because J.T. Barrett could run a dual-purpose offense, and guess what? He won a national championship, and people then complained about Joe Burrow not starting. Well, look, if you're complaining about winning a national championship, I got two words for you. Suck it. That's right. Suck it, people. Won you a national championship. I don't care if Joe Burrow went somewhere else and won a national championship. Urban Meyer played the right guy, as evidenced by winning a freaking national championship. Suck it. William from Starkville. Dan, say what you want about Michigan. We watched a lot of film on Alabama over the weekend. It's clear to me that Michigan is a better team with a better coach. We're not living in the 2010s anymore. Michigan should wipe the floor by double digits. All right. Send me a text, Nick and Nick. This is not a real email. There's no way this is a real email. This is a design by my staff to get me to rip Michigan. You guys think I just woke up stupid? Let me tell you something. I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning today honing my brain. Well, I was up at 4 in the morning because I couldn't sleep, and I did sleep till 6.30. But anyway, send me the text, Nick. I won't say it publicly, but there is no way in hell, no way, that you can tell me ever, never, ever, that that's a real email. Michigan is not winning by double digits. In fact, I will argue that Michigan is a really well-coached team. It was a very clean game, Michigan, against Ohio State by both teams. It was. And I think it'll be a clean game. I think that Saban will have something cleaned up. They have been penalized, as Tim Brando said yesterday, more than any Saban team, but I think he'll have that cleaned up. And I got to tell you something. There is not a quarterback in the Big Ten, there's not a quarterback that Michigan faced that is like Jalen Milrow. I think Jalen Milrow is the fastest, quickest quarterback in America. I think Jalen Milrow's legs are going to be the difference in a game. Now, look, I don't care who wins the game. I honestly don't. The way I will care about it is when the sack man tells me who to bet it. And by the way, we're getting into bowl season, which is Sackman's wheelhouse. So we're planning on making a lot of money. I don't care. Like if Michigan wins a national championship, people say, well, Dalkuch will be pissed. I don't care. Not about not a bit. Except if I bet on them or I bet against them. Then, ladies and gentlemen, I care. I haven't gotten a text from you fellas yet. You can tell me whether this is a real email or not. I don't think it is. I think you guys just want me to go off. And I'll blame you. That's good producer. Hey, Dan, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, is not about truth and morality. It's about preconceived outcome. No one needs to work hard when DEI provides cover. No one needs to be the best of the best. And no one needs to be themselves to show they're an honest human being. Harvard has shown at the highest level how DEI is a horrible overload or overlord to academics, and it starts at the top with their president, Claudine Gay. I don't see how the university and others related to the situation should be receiving any taxpayer money going forward. They become a hostile and unsafe environment. 
not just for the Jewish community, but for everyone on campus. David, I'm going to agree with you about I don't understand why they kept this president. Well, I do understand. She's African-American. She's a woman. What are you talking about? I mean, not only it's been proven, apparently, that she didn't footnote certain things. Like, if you're not smart enough to footnote things, usually the president of Harvard is exceptional. Do you understand what I'm saying? Exceptional. President of Harvard shouldn't be someone that wasn't smart enough to know how to footnote papers, didn't know how to put proper, uh, what's the right word? God dang it, the word's escaping me. I mean, are you kidding me? Sourcing. I mean, you should be exceptional to be a four-star general. You should be exceptional to be the president of Harvard or Yale or Princeton or Indiana or any of these schools. You shouldn't just be an African-American woman and that moves you to the head of the line. It doesn't know how to footnote or source things. But this is where we're at. This is absolutely where we're at. Oh, it's a real email, they said. This is where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. And it sucks. And the tide is starting to turn. Look, I don't care about who's in commercials. I care less. But I will say this. You guys are giving me a headache by hiring people. College basketball is unwatchable. It just is unwatchable because of the announcers. They suck. Most of them were hired because college basketball is where you put your diversity. There's so many games. Hey, man, don't tell me that we don't have diversity. Look at the number of commentators we have that are African-American, and they're all in college basketball or college football, some of them, because there's a lot of that. Yeah, it is kind of funny, really. All right. Um, wait, wait a second here. Hang on, caller. Hang on here. I want to go with a little what the hell Wednesday. I want to go with what the hell Wednesday because this is my biggest fear. I don't know if you have fears. I have two big fears. Both of them came from the show Rod Sterling's Twilight Zone. I know, Gary, you and Aaron probably saw Rod Sterling's Twilight Zone. One of them was a flesh, a brain-eating bug that they put in a guy's ear. And the end of the show, they got the bug out, but it had laid eggs. Dun, 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 dun. That's why I don't like camping. Because I think a, fl- a, a, a brain-eating bug is going to get in my ear. And I don't need it. I don't want it. But the other thing is a flesh-eating disease. Now, this guy says, this gal says, I thought it was the flu. I thought it was the flu. I thought I had the flu, but it was a flesh-eating disease that ravaged my ass. This is in Scotland. A mom of two is lucky to be alive, ladies and gentlemen, after a rare flesh-eating disease left her with a butt wound 20 centimeters deep. It looked like a peach that someone had taken a huge bite out of on one side. She lives in the Netherlands. She began displaying... Flu-like symptoms, January 20th. She was rushed to the hospital five days later. There was a big black mass on her left butt cheek. It was diagnosed as nerecolosis, face, whatever, plantar fasciitis, necrotizing fasciitis, a life-threatening bacterial. Nine days in a coma. Nine days in a coma, three surgeries to remove the thing from her ace. She was told she only had a 10% chance to live. Holy cow. She's lost 70 pounds and had to learn to walk again. She can't sit down, has to take a special pillow out wherever she goes. 
The husband began concerned when she began sweating and struggled to walk. Man. Woo! How horrible. She seems like a really nice lady. 10% chance of living. A flesh eater. I'm telling you, let me know. Let me know what your fears are. I have a fear of heights, but I'm telling you, Rod Sterling's, not Rod Sterling's Night Stalker. I forget what I just called it. It made me crazy. Whoo, put that flesh-eating bug in an ear. Oh, man. And uh, flat, they had it here in Naples. Remember when the hurricanes came? Uh, we were down here a couple years ago, and one of Lee's good friends, uh, they work, both of them, husband and wife, work in the hospitals here, and they go, look, don't go in the water. It's not being said, but there is a flesh-eating virus in the water. Don't go in. Don't go in. I don't know what's wrong with this. This doesn't seem so bad, but of course it happens in Florida. A Florida man whose nickname is Baby Cakes was caught naked in a chair outside of an apartment complex. The dude's name is Irving Edward Howard, lives in Fort Myers. He was known as Baby Cakes. He was charged with four counts of lewd and lascivious behavior towards a child. Apparently a little kid walked by. One count of indecent exposure, one count of disorderly uh, intoxication. Really? I'm shocked he was drunk. I mean, raise your hand if you haven't been drunk and walked outside. I have. Well, I don't know if I have. Yeah, I have. In my current house, I had a couple beers, went outside, took off my clothes, jumped in the pool. There's nothing wrong with that. Dude's been arrested. Uh Taxpayers in Fort Myers have spent over $300,000 to put this guy in jail for over 6,000 nights. He was arrested for showing up naked at an area hospital. The dude just likes nudity. He's arrested 12 times since August of 19, two times for indecent exposure, three times for trespassing. What are you going to do? He's 71 years old. And he likes to drop trowel. Raise your hand if you're 71 years old and you're going to walk around dropping trowel. I got to tell you. 71 does not sound that old anymore. You know, I'm 61 and I got the brain of a college kid. It's really sad. My brain hasn't developed. There's nothing there. It's still like last night. Hey, where are we going? I, I get a scampy pizza with white sauce. What are you doing getting a scampy pizza with white sauce? Get a Cobb salad. <sighs> I got a headache. I'm giving myself a headache. Dan Wetzel coming up at 1030. Here's another one. A man pulls out a machete, this again in Florida, a man pulls out a machete after a local bar refuses to let him sing another karaoke song. Let me ask you a question. How many of you own a machete? How many of you sit there owning a machete? How many of you right now could go to the back room and pull out a machete? I'm betting not very many of you can. I'm just betting on it. I'm not saying none of you. But I'm saying not very many. A Florida man, Cape Canaveral, is accused of pulling out a machete after a Brevard County bar refused his request to continue singing karaoke. Travis Jordan of Cape Canaveral was booked in the jail disorderly, peace, disorderly conduct. Uh, according to the affidavit, the incident happened Sunday night at Kennedy's lamppost bar. Now, if this means anything to you, the dude's got face tattoos. He pulled out an 18-inch machete 
A person at the bar encouraged him to peacefully hand it to her, fearing for the safety of others. During the encounter, bar staff told deputies everyone started to freak out. He handed the machete, gave it to bar staff, and called the cops. Here's a shocker. My man Jordan was in a, quote, very intoxicated state. That's right. A very intoxicated state. He was carrying a concealed weapon because he had been threatened two days ago, he said, and needed to stay alert. All right. There you go. So we've got a machete. I'm going to tell you right now, this is the truth. This is how I look at this. And I think a lot of you would agree with me. If I'm at a bar and a guy whips out a machete, I think I'm just leaving the bar. Like if you leave a bar and a guy's got a gun, you don't know. He might shoot you. But a machete, I'm just going, hey, look, dude, I'm going to leave now. You do you. I'll do me. But I'm done. I'm out of here. No. Um, A man was arrested after telling a playground full of kids. This in Florida as well. I love the fact that my peeps, Nick and Nick and Aaron, and everybody's giving me Florida news. And I'm also glad, at least as we sit here right now, that I'm not in the news in Florida. A Florida man was arrested after telling a playground full of kids where babies come from. Now, this guy's brilliant looking. We don't have, here's this guy's picture. Look at this. My man's got face tattoos. I mean, his whole face is tattooed. He's got Hunter Biden teeth. He was charged with disorderly conduct after climbing to the top of a playground and yelling about where babies come from. Day Wayne, D, uh, Otis Dwayne, Day Wayne, it looks like, uh, Ryan climbed to the top of playground equipment in Clearwater and began shouting at the children, telling them babies come out of a woman. He then yelled, they come out of their blank blanks. All right. At the time, parents were rushing to the area to remove their kids. Holy cow, crazy man's on top, and he's telling kids, babies come out of the bush. He was charged with disorderly conduct, fined 118 bucks. Man, oh, man. I tell you what, you got to give Florida credit. They'll mess around. Florida ain't afraid. Florida will have all kind of crazy. Who here hasn't gotten on top of a playground set and started yelling at kids, about where babies come from. Now, I'm not saying it's in the report, but I feel like, I just feel like that guy may, just may have been intoxicated. Hey, look at this. A South Florida man is facing multiple felony charges. At, listen to this one. After being accused of biting the head off a woman's pet python during a domestic dispute. So Lee and I are scrapping. I'm mad. I'm trying to figure out how to get back at her. And the dude decides, hey, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bite the head off her python, her prized possession. Now that I think about it, and I didn't think about it till just now, what would I do if I was trying to, like, hurt Lee? You know what I do? I throw her mitt in the water. I remember being on our honeymoon or our wedding slash honeymoon. And I was playing catch with my son. I was in the water and I had her mitt and I was keeping it. And she damn near freaked. I said, woman, you haven't played catch or you haven't played baseball since the nineties. That's my mitt. That's my mitt. That's personal. I'm like, man. All right. And she was right. I get it. My son lost my mitt. My Reggie Jackson, a 2000. That mitt should be in all many hall of fame. 
No airs as a shortstop. Man, now I think about it, I'm mad at my son, but a 32-year-old man in Southern Florida, felony charges, he's accused of biting the head off a woman's pet python. Apparently, a man and a woman were arguing in an apartment complex, Cutler Bay, Florida. Upon law enforcement, they heard a dispute, made several commands to those inside the apartment to open the door. Cops then eventually opened the door by kicking it down because they heard the woman scream. Next thing you know, the man inside, Kevin Justin Mayorga, attempted to shut the door and held the women against her will. Mayorga resisted arrest when the cops attempted to put him in handcuffs, swinging at the officer, striking one of them in the eye. He was placed in shackles. He was, well, he was restrained. While he was restrained, the woman told the cops, hey, look, Mayorga bit the head off of my pet python. The snake was found with no head. Charges are third-degree felonies. He could face five years in prison, five years probation, and a $5,000 fine. Listen to this. According to Petco, adult ball pythons measure four to five feet long, can live 30 years. Unlike Burmese pythons, which are considered invasive to Florida's wildlife, ball pythons are rarely found in the wild and are no known reproducing population of common household pets. So this is just a nice little pet python. Dude bit his head off. I got to tell you, my friend Daryl Collins, when we had the Jack Bennett screen door open, which was a drunken golf outing when we were in high school. Yeah, okay, sorry. We're on about the 15th hole. Daryl, myself, and others were kind of hammered. It's hot out. Laying on the green. Public course, shirts off. There's a frog bouncing around. Daryl who was arguably the toughest kid in our class, looks at me, looks at the frog, grabs a frog, bites his head off, throws the frog, spits out the frog's head. I can still remember it to this day. And that would have been like in 1979. Every time I see that golf hole, I think about Daryl laying on his back, biting a head off of a frog and then spitting it out. Man. Hey, Nick, too actually owns a machete and Nick too says, don't at me. I ain't at you. you. You're the owner of a machete. I'll never at you. Maybe long distance like this. So we got Nick, Dylan, Ryan, Nick too, Dan, Aaron, only one machete owner. I think I used to have a machete that we got in Mexico and have one of those sheets, right? It was one of those deals for Nick. Nick's the man. Nick's the man. All right, we'll be right back. Dan Wetzel. Look, Matt Ariza falsely accused. Is he going to be on an NFL team? What's going to happen with him and Trevor Bauer? Can't wait to talk to Danny Wetzel, Yahoo Sports, who broke the story. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $20 on the Steel MS-162 or MS-170 Chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I always said, Charles Robinson, Dan Wetzel, Pat Forty, and Pete Thamel, if they coming at you and you're a coach, they already know, and you might as well just admit it. Let me put it to you that way, because they are the best in the business. The great Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports, New York Times bestselling author, basically the king of all media, joins us here today. Coach Wetzel, you got it. Matt Ariza. I'm not happy about this. The guy lost 16 months. Is this over for him? Is this officially the end of the lawsuit, the law, anything related to this incident? Yeah, I think that's it's fair. I mean, look, anything could come up later, I guess. But at this point, um, what you have is there was, you know, there was there was a party. He he it acknowledges uh, a consensual uh situation with this woman uh but denied at any point from the get-go that he participated in a gang rape or any kind of sexual assault uh it has gone through a san diego county police investigation where they declined to recommend charges against matteriza there was a separate san diego county prosecutor's office that went through its own exhaustive uh investigation they declined to press charges against matteriza they also in a in a conversation a meeting with the accuser um which was taped um just said to her matariza was not at the party during the most graphic and and difficult part of this the a, a an alleged gang rape up in a bedroom he wasn't at the party anymore he wasn't even there uh and they called into question their ability to, to prosecute anyone off of that or even to kind of what was there a a gang raper was that a consensual situation so that cast on that there was a third uh san diego state university title nine office investigation obviously not criminal but a, a third group looked at this no charges against matt ariza now there was a civil suit the accuser sued matt ariza in civil court that is now withdrawn and dismissed uh in in part of an agreement uh the woman will not pursue any civil litigation against Matt Ariza for anything that happened in exchange Matt Ariza will not sue her. Uh, he will drop his suit against her for uh defamation but he retains the right to sue her attorney who certainly has more money and all of that so um barring I mean, anybody could be accused of anything at any point, right? But I, I don't, there's no open investigation. There's no open litigation. There's nothing. Matt Ariza has said, let this process play out. I didn't do it. Let's get to the bottom of it. 16 months later, um, all avenues are exhausted and, and Matt Ariza should be uh, considered uh, innocent. Dan, one of the, having a family full of attorneys, I was talking to him this morning. They said, the key thing here is he didn't pay anything. So he didn't pay yes. this off and he retains the right to sue. Now you mentioned suing the attorney, um, guessing the woman doesn't have much money, still a young woman, right? I mean, is that what you're saying? Yeah. She's probably 18 to 19 at this point. 
probably I think maybe 19 years old. Yeah. So I, he wasn't really looking for money. Um, the even had he wanted to settle with money, he could have settled this lawsuit probably with money uh last summer and and cleared this up and gone into maybe gone into the NFL, but he wanted to clear it without any any suggestion that he did that. And the, the money was was low. The, the, the amount of money they were seeking was only in five figures. It wasn't like, hey, you owe me two million dollars. Well, I don't have two million dollars. Um, I, I think discussions on that sources told us were as low as 50 grand or under. So he could have paid her off and got he didn't want to do that. He wanted to get this all behind him and go. So, yeah, he's not going to sue her for defamation. She's free on that. Um, if he wants money, he can try to get it out of the lawyer. Uh, but I think that even would be my suggestion is his, it would be even more to try to further clear his name or get some retribution that way. Um, he can make money if he can get into the NFL. And if the, I don't know why the NFL would look at him right now and say, you're not, you, you shouldn't work here. So he's, he can make millions of dollars if he's as good of a punter as he was before. You know, Dan, one of the things you mentioned was, um, uh, he could sue, and to further clear his name, because a lot of people do say, well, you didn't sue, you know, and, and that's like the last thing here, right? Like, well, if you really believed you're innocent, you should have sued. But there's also the element, like if I'm an NFL team, I, I want to bring in Matariza if he's a good enough punter, but I don't need any residual effects from this, right? That's kind of how I would look at it as an NFL, from the NFL side. I agree. Why just drop it, move on. Let's go. Um, and, and, it's an unfair burden, right? Um, let's take it outside the matter rise case, but let's say you're wrongly accused of something and the police say, now we're not charging. And the prosecutor says, now we're not charging. And this other body, a school or a professional organization says, and we're not, we're not charging. And you get a civil suit dismissed. And it's like, well, why aren't you doing more? Right. It's like, well, you know, maybe he just doesn't want to deal with this anymore. You could be like, I don't care. You know, screw this guy. Screw this situation undoubtedly was the biggest nightmare of Matt Arise's life. He spent 16 months and really uh, longer than that because the, the, the incident occurred in October. I think I think it's October. It might be late September, but October of 2021. And right away, there was a police complaint and there was, you know, there were rumors of stuff that happened and he kind of sensed that maybe he was, he, he didn't know what happened because he wasn't there, but there was this big thing and that kind of hug over him. And that's why when the NFL teams, everybody knew about this um, and, and the NFL was aware that something had happened and all, uh, you know, what, what teams knew, but they, they investigate, they're not just drafting a guy and not investigating. Oh yeah. He might be involved in a gang rape back in San Diego. So the, the bills were willing to bring him in. They drafted him. They made him their punter. He had won the job. Um, he was a record-setting punter at, at San Diego State. He hit an 82-yarder in a preseason game in Buffalo. He had this great nickname, the Punt God. Um, you know, he he was kind of a fan favorite. And then when the civil suit came out, there was such an uproar, and the details of the allegations were so graphic and so disturbing that um, they cut ties with him. But to suggest that he needs to do more than simply be like, nobody thinks I did it. Um, I don't think is really a fair burden for him. I, I, in my opinion, there's nothing here that suggests Matt Ariza is, is, is unemployable. And I think that's really his, I know having spoken to Matt through, through some times and different people, I mean, his goal was to get to the NFL, like almost any athletes would be. 
What's the comparison of that and Trevor Bauer? I didn't cover Trevor Bauer, so I don't um I just don't cover baseball. I don't know all the details of the Trevor Bauer case. But in this one, you know, what I can say is um so I I don't I wouldn't know how to answer that. I just no. I just know in this case he had um you know, he 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 had a, a relationship or with with this this woman he thought she was over 18. He's at a college party. Um, there's back and forth. She told other people she was 18. She was only 17. She's almost 18. She's a high school senior, almost 18. But uh, that was, you know, he, he he had an incident, but it wasn't like a longstanding relationship with somebody met one had a quick encounter with at a party. Um, maybe not the best judgment or behavior. And I think he's paid a considerable price on that. If only because you open yourself up to who knows what, but um, he, you know, that that's what happened with him. I don't know what Trevor Bauer did. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because Bauer had kind of the same thing. Nobody's charging him and you know, he's out there and I, I've said this and I, I, you've, you've said this about Ariza. Look, I'm a Colts guy. I live here in Indianapolis. Colts are, I would have no problem if, if Ariza um, signed with the Colts and I don't think people should, I think, I think some will maybe. I do because I'm not sure that people read anything but headlines, Dan. But there, as you said this earlier, there's nothing that says, "Hey, look, this guy should not be employable." And that's what I took out of this. Whether it happens this year or next, I assume you'll be in someone's camp. I would think so. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if he's good enough. Look, he plays punter. He's a quarterback. He's he's on a roster right now. He's a punter. Um, they can go through their own investigation. They can ask a million questions of. of uh, of uh, Ariza and, and, and his attorneys and his family and all of that stuff and make that judgment and, and decide what they want to do. All I know is that we've had three investigations and a civil suits now withdrawn. It's like, what this is, this is done. He asked for the process to play out and it'd be judged then. So judge him now, not what maybe what was alleged in a, in a lawsuit um, where, you know, almost anything can be alleged in a lawsuit. So, um, what happened is, is, and, and you know, if you, if you listen to the tape or you read the, the comments of the prosecutor and stuff like that, it's a, it's a very different picture than the one that was painted 16 months ago when the bills cut him. Hey, Dan, I'm going to shift gears on you. I got to ask you two things, college football, um, Jaden Daniels Heisman trophy. You like it? Yeah, I was fine with it. He's a, he's an excellent player. I thought I, he was actually, I should have bet it. He was my preseason. No kidding. Pick. Uh, oops i also had lsu in the the playoff then that didn't work out um i liked what michael Penix did but uh in big moments i think he he was a tremendous uh story but i i I think the consistency of Jaden daniels uh it's funny the 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 least effective game he had this year was against florida state ironically or on or whatever uh coincidentally who knows um but you know he put up some great numbers um is a worthy thing. I don't think anyone went out and just seized the seized the award um this year the way some years it's it's kind of obvious. So the voting was a little closer than normal. Where are you? I got two questions about the college football playoff. One, your thoughts on Florida State left out. Two, I'm arguing, I'm saying, I'm looking at my crystal ball and I'm saying Alabama, Michigan, because of everything surrounding all this, is going to be the highest rated football game ever. I think this is going to draw more interest as we get closer. Uh, give me your thoughts on both questions. I, I thought, 
I think two things can be right in 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 that Alabama's probably better than Florida State at this point. And I'm pretty excited about Michigan, Florida, uh, Michigan, uh, Alabama game. And I mean, it's always so hard on this hill. I'm going to die. I do believe, though, that when you are just making judgment calls, that's not a great way to do it. And they say, well, their 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 task was to find the four best teams. If their task and the amount of protocols and considerations and data, they consider everything. And when you consider everything, you consider nothing. You consider whatever the heck you want. And so to just sit there and say, well, I think Alabama's better. We're just going to put them in. Um, it, it Instead of saying, well, what about the week prior? I think they got excited when they beat Georgia. The week prior, they didn't look like the best. They needed a year, fourth and 31 touchdown to beat a, a not great Auburn team. Did they look like better when they played South Florida? Did they look better when they played Arkansas? I think the timing of that victory over Georgia was enough. My feeling was the committee was like, we got to have an SEC team in there. Maybe they don't say that out loud. Um, but when you go 13 and 0, uh, when your defense proves how good it is, when you're getting judged in the ACC championship game because you're playing a third string quarterback, when your second stringer is coming back, like I felt like the offensive performance of Florida State in that Louisville game shouldn't have mattered because Kate Rodemaker was going to come back. And so whatever the offense was doesn't matter. And you shouldn't be about style points. Like if you can win running the ball, win running the ball. Michigan beat Penn State this year rushing the ball 32 consecutive times because they knew that would get them the victory, and that's all they cared about. It wasn't about, boy, do we look like a balanced offense or can we get J.J. McCarthy Heisman number? No, it was like, hey, we're going to beat Penn State if we just run the ball and play defense. So they did. Uh, you shouldn't be punished for that. So I really hated the consideration of the committee. I don't think they did a very consistent job. Uh, I thought it was a, a poor decision by the committee. But uh, I, like you, and probably 28, 30 million other Americans are going to be pretty excited to watch Alabama, Michigan. You know, I always say this. I remember in 2000 and 2002 at Bowling Green, we got left out of the NCAA tournament, and I lost my mind and, you know, called guys on committees and, and then I went through that mock selection deal in Indianapolis, and I'm like, huh, this is interesting, you know. But I I got to believe, Dan, and you can tell me to go pound sand and I'll accept it. I got to believe somewhere in there they simply, and I know it's more than this, they decided I'm tired of Michigan. We know we got the goods or whatever we got on Michigan. Who's the best team to beat Michigan? That team is Alabama. We're playing Alabama against Michigan. Oh, the, now, setup, that's too- the setup to beat Al- Michigan. Take Michigan out. I don't uh, know. I- that Interesting. Interesting. Uh, they could have moved them to two and Who? moved Washington to number one. They could have moved Michigan to two. Washington had a case to be the number one seed. So I think if that was the case, and I don't know, who knows? I love a good conspiracy theory, especially yeah. when it doesn't matter. Um, they could have, I think they would have moved Michigan to two. Said Washington gets the number one seed. And then yeah. you're playing Texas, and then you're playing maybe Alabama. Uh, I don't think that was it. I think if anything, it was, I, I think what happens is the committee, they're, they're well-meaning people, right? They volunteer for a very tough job. I don't know why you would do this thing. You got to fly to Texas six straight weeks, spent days ranking number, you know, late November, you're ranking the 21st team over the 22nd. Who cares? None of it matters, right? Um, thankless job. 
I think what they want is the easiest explanation they can throw out there. And the hardest explanation, the easiest one for them was um, Jordan Travis is hurt. We don't think FSU is good enough. We're taking Alabama and Texas because I, now I think it was about they had to get an SEC team in there. Uh, I think if Georgia had won, if Georgia had beaten Alabama, then the field would have been Georgia, Michigan, um, Washington, and then FSU. I think FSU would have gotten in. But once they had to put Alabama in, then they had to put Texas in because Alabama had beaten them head up. I think they just twisted themselves in a knot. I'm just glad it's over. We're going to a 12 team. There is a way to play your way in. You win your conference, you got an automatic bid, the, t- the top five to six conferences. Um, will there be arguments over, should we take a 10 and two old miss or a 10 and two Penn state? Sure. Will that be bitter? Yes. But I have, a, I, I care less than a 13 and O team getting told you didn't do enough. Yeah. I tell people, you know, there's, what is there? 33 at large bids in the NCAA. And we yeah. argue about the 34th, like, like it's, you know, it's cats and dogs, but I always said this, and this is what fascinated me this year for the most part. I've said every year this will play itself out because it seems like it always has. Well, once in a while, the Ohio State got in. Okay, fine. But this year, it it just simply didn't. Um, So, you know, people say the system is broken. I've heard that a lot. System is broken. Well, it's it's fixed, right? It's fixed, fixed, right? That's a dumb argument because the thing is fixed. It's fixed now. Um, All these politicians jumping in. Let's investigate. Let's have a – like, it's getting fixed, Okay. It's right. it, we right. fixed it. What happened? We know like whatever they had to make a call. You you got a committee room and you got five good choices and you got four spots. What are you supposed to do? That's right. I, I mean, so I, I would have said, look, SEC, you're out. Uh, it's just the way it worked this year. But at the same time, I understand the argument of like, dude, the SEC's won 13 of the last 17 championships four times during that span. They played each other for the championship game. This is the best league. This is Alabama. This is Nick Saban. They just knocked off the two-time reigning champions. They just ended a 29-game win streak. And I know past, you know, past years shouldn't matter and all that. As I said, I'm not going to sit there and be like, that is the most outrageous. They didn't just like throw, you know, Missouri in at 10 and 2. They put Alabama in the thing. And so all the all the politics, all the grandstanding, it's like, give it up. Um, it's fixed. We got a new system. We don't need hearings. We don't need lawsuits. We don't need anything on this. It's it, it's terrible for Florida State. I feel bad for their players. That that team, everybody on that team did everything they were supposed to do, and they got they got they lost because a bad decision to create a four team playoff ten years ago, not expand soon enough, and their quarterback got hurt. And and it just is what it is. But we don't need a congressional hearing on this. No, we don't. And I I've said forever, give me more teams because I want appointment TV because I'm bored and I want to watch stuff. Well, hey, this last... weekend will be four playoff games next. Yes, week. four hey, playoff last... games on campus. Instead, you're getting the you know the Pop Tart Bowl or whatever, and you'll probably you know I'll probably watch. No. But um, I'd rather watch a playoff game. Hey, uh, last thing before I let you go, and this is a college football thing. I saw you tweeted this out. A lot of people are all of a sudden Nebraska. Nebraska must just gotten an influx of money, NIL money here, because they're all of a sudden they're paying looks like the best quarterbacks, right? The kid decommitted from uh, what was it, Georgia? The former player Reinhold Lorinola, and then of course the kid from uh, McCord is looking at Nebraska. Nebraska going to be a player, right? Well, they 
Rutgers had money in Nebraska, and I always I thought it. NIL would be the would be great for Nebraska. Um, a lot of the criticism uh, criticism NIL was like, oh, only Alabama and Georgia will get all the players. Oh, no. They got all the players before. A place like Nebraska's problem is how do you get players to come there? Because it's distant from where they live. There's not a lot of talent in the in state or any of the surrounding states. So uh, why do you take a job? Why do you move your family for a new job? You do it because often, hey, I got a 20% raise or something like that. So Nebraska's got money to compete. Matt Rule is an excellent football coach, just came from the NFL. He's a great destination for Kyle McCord. Um, I think if they can get Kyle McCord for next year, it's a huge boost for their program. Dylan Rayola is the number one quarterback recruit in the class of 2024, current senior. Uh, he is committed to Georgia right now, but it appears he may flip to Nebraska. Now, their connection there, certainly they can match whatever funds or even pay more, but funds probably aren't the, mo- the main motivation. Uh, his dad, uh, uh, Dominic, was a uh, All-American, uh, one of the best offensive linemen they ever had in Nebraska in the late 90s and played uh, many years in the NFL, mostly for the Detroit Lions. Uh, and his uncle, Donovan, um, is an offensive line coach there. So Nebraska was always involved in Dil- with Dylan Raiola. So I don't think it's just a this is a bidding war, but NIL helps even that playing field and gives a school like Nebraska a chance to say, hey, you got a connection here. We got a great situation. And that's happening all over. They, the, the top 10 recruits, if Dylan Raiola flips from Georgia to Nebraska, the top 10 football recruits in America will be committed to 10 different schools. They're spreading out. That includes Missouri. Texas Tech, there'll be Nebraska, there'll be all. They're spreading out because schools can prioritize and say, you're our number one guy and we can show you with money. Don't go to these schools that you're the third guy, the eighth guy, the 22nd guy on that thing. The talent is actually spreading out in high school recruiting. Now, they all transfer after a year, but hey, you know, whatever. You know what? People talk about Indiana and they always say Mark Cuban. What they miss is this. Mark Cuban is the most famous alum, but his partner, Mark Wagner, who started Broadcast.com, is richer than Cuban. And he's an Indiana grad. His mother and my mother are best of friends. I'm on this thing to get Mark. Screw Cuban. I want Mark Wagner and Cuban money. We got to become a player here at Indiana, Dan. Anybody can. Anybody can. Here's the thing. If you said, how do we get Indiana to to be able to beat, say, Ohio State for a recruit? Notre Dame, Michigan. Well, you, it's very hard. They rarely do. You need an in-state player or whatever. Well, we have to build because Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, they have 100 years of tradition. They have bigger stadiums. They have bigger, you know, a, a, a fan bases. They have all the all those things that got built over decades, particularly the last 50 years. How in the world can we do that? We can build facilities. They can build facilities. Money changes things. How does a start if 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 salary didn't matter, salary and opportunity didn't matter, everyone would only work for the biggest companies in this country. Instead, people go, no, I, I like this small company I'm working at. I'm working at a startup. I like this situation better. I don't want to go to General Motors or IBM or Google or whatever. It's because I'm getting 20% more here. I have more freedom. When you can offer more money and a starting spot, you're not fighting a depth chart. Why not Indiana? It's still football. Right. So there's a lot of opportunity. It levels the playing field by knocking down the importance of tradition. That is the hardest thing for upstart programs to overcome, because how do you get more tradition than Ohio State or Michigan or Georgia? You, you just can't. 
No. And, and all of a sudden, to your point, Oklahoma has become a feeder system for Oregon with right. that quarterback leaving Oklahoma. That's crazy to me, Dan. Well, they got a great they 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 got a great five star they brought in who was a freshman. So a lot of it, but a lot of it is this, right? You talk about Kyle McCord. You talk about Dylan Gabriel, who's leaving Oklahoma to go to Oregon. You sitting down with your coach said, am I going to be a starter next year? Well, you're going to have to compete for the job. I'm not sure. Well, look, if you've got pro aspirations or you just want to play college football, you don't want to be set. There's only one quarterback. This isn't like basketball or something else. We'll find a spot. I'm the quarterback. I want to start. So rather than let a depth chart stack up, and, and, and a Kyle McCord say, well, maybe I'm not the starter next year at Ohio State and I get buried. I don't want to risk it. I'm going to go somewhere where they value me and say, yeah, you're going to be the starter. And, and you, I want to play football, right? I didn't come to college to be second string. I want to win. I want to play. And so you say, look, all right, Nebraska's great. Pro, what, fine. What's the difference between what, what tangibly is different between Ohio State and Nebraska? They both got a big stadium. They both got a, you know, what's the old, uh, Hoosiers, right? You'll find the same measurements yeah. <laughs> about our gym bag home. Like, yeah, you're you're probably going to win more games at Ohio State next year. You'll be surrounded by more talent, but that doesn't necessarily pre prepare you for the pros or mean you're going to have more fun if you're the second string or first. So the talent spreads out a little bit. So a Dylan Gabriel says, well, you know, look, they've got this hot shot freshman. This is the future of the program. I go to Oregon and play in a great offense. And both Oklahoma and Oregon have great quarterbacks. So you can't hoard the talent the way you did before. Um, most of the predictions about how the transfer portal and the and NIL were going to consolidate talent at the top have are wrong. That's not how it works in economics. And it's not how it's playing out right now. It doesn't mean that Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State aren't still going to be really good. Of course they are. They're not they're going to have the preponderance of talent, but they're not just getting everybody because kids are sitting there saying, I mean, it's Dylan, this McCord kid, he's the starter. He's the returning starting quarterback at Ohio State. No one would ever leave that job, but he is because he's not certain he's going to be the starter next year or whatever played out saying, I got a better situation. I'll go play at Nebraska. Maybe point. we'll we see Michael if he goes to Nebraska. He hasn't committed to Nebraska. Right. We had Caleb DeBoer, the coach. And Michael Penix on our campus and, you know, they left and they should have. I mean, there's no question. By the way, my mother chimed in. It's Todd Wagner, not Mark Wagner. Well, you probably, Thank you. probably Thank help you. your recruiting efforts if you knew his name, Dan. Well, it would but help, that, but I'm not, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. there was a time I would have known his name and tattooed it on my ass, Dan, <laughs> if I was the football coach. Hey, last, last thing. To that point you just made, why is Arch Manning at Texas? Well, I think, I think he stays. Uh, we'll, we'll see. He could, he could transfer, uh, especially if Quinn Ewers returns for another year. Uh, we don't know, but, um, the Mannings are a little different now. They're, they're very patient. Um, if you go back to Eli, now I know it's a different, totally different era, but Eli redshirted his first year and then barely played his second year at Ole Miss, uh, and then went on. It's not a family that's looking for money. They can, they can create their own NIL deals by throwing them in, you know, any number of commercials that his uncle's father and dad are in. Um, so, you know, if, if he's happy at Texas and developing and, and is going to get a little bit more playing time next year after a red shirt year, and then have three years where he might be the starting quarterback at Texas, as many as he needs, um, then, then I could see him staying. I, I think people have different paths and they have different motivations. Some guys want to stay and fight and play. 
Some guys are sitting there saying, look, I only get a few years of eligible. I only get a few years to do this. I only got so many opportunities to either impress the pros or just enjoy playing college sports. I'm going to go where I want to go. So I think each guy makes an individual decision, but at this point, they're able to make that decision. It's a clunky system. No one would design it this way. I'm not saying it's not frustrating for people, but there is a lot of freedom for everyone to kind of do what they think is best for themselves. And since everyone's over 18, I can't really have a problem with it. No, I don't either. I really don't. I've always said, Hey man, uh, I, I guess if I was coaching, I might have a problem, but I'm not. So I get to watch and I figure out better games. Dan, yeah. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. It's great stuff. I kept you way too long, but I was just, I just having a great time talking to you. Thanks for coming on, Dan. Anytime, Dan, you know that. Thanks for having me. That's a great Dan Wetzel. You can catch him. Yahoo sports. There he is right there. He's talking about civil suit dropped against the punter God. And of course, uh, Nebraska being relevant. Nebraska's fans are the best in the country. I'm telling you right now, Nebraska basketball has never been really relevant and they sell that place out every single game. And it is a professional type place. They have the Haymarket district. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. And I am all in on Nebraska. Hey, thanks to everybody, including my mother. See you.